just a few announcements, a uh, bit of community news. Um, as we mentioned in the newsletters and um, recently you would have known that we, we were planning to do communion today and so uh, if you haven't already gathered your elements, your juice and your bread um, sometime now between now and uh, in a little while, it'd be great if you could gather them. We'll be doing communion after the sermon. Um, at, as I mentioned earlier, there has been some easing of, res of restrictions and we know that we can start to consider gathering together in groups of 50. But in some ways that actually really hasn't changed, um, hasn't made that much difference for us as a church. 50 is not a big enough number for us to gather together. Uh, and as we know, there's lots of restrictions around how we gather as well uh, in terms of singing and social distancing and all that. So it's not even really going to feel the same when we actually do get to gather together. So just to um, be clear, we're not planning on having gatherings right now. We're going to stay as we are right now. Um, and we probably won't be having gatherings until at least step three when we can really plan how we can do this well and, and keep everyone safe. But we are planning it. And so at the moment, what's happening right now is the council has met this week. Uh, and following that meeting, our service teams will be meeting as well to really talk about how do we do this well, how do we put systems in place to keep everyone safe and to, to do things the way that Soul Revival do things so that it feels warm and welcoming. Um, there will also be a survey coming out because we're really interested to know too how, you know, what, what you think and how you're feeling about all this and the, the prospect of gathering back together again. So keep an eye out for that survey. It will come out next week. Uh, if you don't regularly get our emails, it's probably because we don't have your email address. And so we'd love you to be able to comment on our survey. Please contact us and give us your email address. Uh, you can fill out the contact form that I, that I think there'll be a link in the comments for uh, or you can um, private message or contact us through the website but we really love to hear your thoughts as well um, and help you to connect into our community in a broader way as well. Uh, we're going to cross to Nikki now um, and pray together as a community. Okay guys uh, let's join together in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father thank you for the time this morning to give you our thanks and praise. Lord we pray for our world. This week, we have seen so much hurt, pain and destruction throughout the world, caused by wounds old and new. Lord, let us look to you for peace, healing and strength during this time of uh, racial and personal unrest. Help us to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, who are hurting at this time and have loving and graceful hearts. We pray for our leaders, Lord, that they would seek to heal and not inflame this situation. Give them hearts and minds of grace and reconciliation. Lord, we thank you for your love and sacrifice of Jesus that reconciles us to you. Lord, we pray for those who are known and unknown to us who are sick, uh, grieving or struggling at this time. Hold them close, Lord. We ask that they would Feel your healing and strength and love during these times. Give them rest amongst the chaos and help us, Lord, to love and support our brothers and sisters. We give you thanks for our many gatherings that take place during the week at Soul Revival. We give you thanks for the leaders and volunteer pastors that give up their time each week to serve you and to lead us each week. We thank you in particular for the youth activities that have continued during COVID times and that have kept 
our young people connected to you uh, and uh, to their wider community. And we thank you for the opportunity that they have to virtually meet with their friends in Christ. We thank you for our own time of fellowship this morning, for the book of Daniel and for the lessons that it has been teaching us. Open our hearts this morning to your word. Quieten our minds and let us learn your will for our lives this morning. We thank you for the many meetings that occur uh, on a Sunday. We pray for our brothers and sisters that you would give them a time of learning and fellowship uh, this morning. We thank you for the teams of people who continually week on week go above and beyond their usual jobs and comfort zones so that we can all still be uh, connected in fellowship. We thank you for the words of encouragement and admonishment and comfort that your word brings to us and the freedom that we have to be in our uh, own uh, lounge rooms this morning uh, to meet together. Lord, we pray for our essential workers who are at the front line of this pandemic fight. We thank you for their service uh, to us uh, and we pray that you would continue to give them uh, strength uh, during these difficult times. And we thank you um, for the fact that the, the curve has flattened uh, and that people are able to start uh, regaining some uh, of their freedom. We pr uh, pray that you would continue to keep us uh, safe uh, and strong during this time. And finally, Lord, we thank you for Jesus who changes everything, our redeemer and hope. We thank you for his perfect example of how to live as a follower of you, for his teaching uh, to us uh, and for his death and resurrection on the cross, through which we have the forgiveness of our sins and can be reconciled with you. And because of this sacrifice, we can bring all our requests and prayers to you this morning. Amen. Our Bible reading today is from Daniel 9, verses 1 to 19. Uh, the word, words will be up on the screen, but you might want to grab your Bibles and read along. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings our princes and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, in all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We and our kings, our princes and our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we have sinned against you, the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving. Even though we have rebelled against him, we have not obeyed the Lord our God or kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and, and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore, the curses 
and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have fulfilled the words spoken against us and against our rulers by bringing on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done to Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favour of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring the disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does, yet we have not obeyed him. Now Lord our God, who brought your people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and the iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favour on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. Well, uh, it's good to uh, be with you this morning. And we're going to be looking at Daniel 9, which Karen just read so wonderfully. And uh, we thought we'd do things a little bit different by the fire, uh, in a lounge room, as you're in your lounge room or wherever it is you might be. Now, as Karen said, as we started, at times uh, at the moment seem really crazy. There is so much going on around the place, uh, around the world that's causing outrage and disgust. Uh, even just last night, watching on the news of uh, an uh, 80-year-old man who was peacefully protesting, being knocked over and he, you know, knocking his head. And the blood everywhere, it was, it's horrible. It's shocking the images that we are seeing on our screens at the moment. And it's right too for us to get outraged and to be angered by these things that we are seeing going on around the place. And that's how I felt uh, over the last couple of weeks. Is I felt very angry and very frustrated and, uh, and outraged by many of the things that I have, not only have I seen, but also the things I've been hearing and the things people have been saying. Uh, like some of us, I have some really, really good friends who are Indigenous people of this country that we live in. And so what is going on in America is not that far-fetched for what we actually see in our own country here, even though we might try to deny it sometimes. But I also have some really, really good friends who are also police officers. And, you know, I love them dearly. And I know that they are men and women of God who love God and love others. And so I've been feeling for both sides. But as I've been reading through Daniel, my thoughts and my attention have actually gone in a different direction. I've actually spent more time this week praying for our world than I think I have for a very long time. And that's to my shame. The reason why I've been doing that is because I've been reading Daniel 9 over and over again. And I have been struck time and time again by this prayer that he prays. Because not only does he pray for his own sin, but he prays for the sin of the nation of God's people. But he does that in a particular way. He does that by declaring who God is before coming and uh, uh, laying bare his sin and the sins of the nation. 
before he even asks of anything. And he doesn't even ask it for his own sake. And so we're going to dive into this chapter because what I'm hoping that we will do this morning as we look at Daniel 9 is actually see the reality of ourselves today, the reality of our sin. And so let me pray for us as we do that. Dear gracious God, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the book of Daniel and for the encouragement that it is. We pray that we would be encouraged to look to you, our God and Saviour, to see who we really are, who we truly are. But not to fear and to hang our heads in shame, but to see you, our God, as the one who forgives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've been joining us, not only have, uh, has there been shocking things on our news report at the moment, but we've been reading some pretty shocking things. We've had beasts coming out of water, out of the ocean. We've had rams and goats that look like, I think Tom referred to them as uh, farmyard animals on drugs or something, I think, last week, which was pretty, pretty, fun, uh, pretty funny and pretty, pretty accurate too. But there's been some pretty strange things happening. And as we get to this uh, second half of the book of Daniel, we do see those things. See, in the, in the first half of the book, and we've said this already, but the first half is a bit of a biography or a bit of a story of Daniel and his friends. Uh, they sang basically the Lord's song in a strange land. They declared the glory of God in the way that they lived in a foreign land. And what we do when we get into chapter 7 through to 12 is we actually start to see the experiences or the faithfulness of Daniel that happens behind closed doors that actually got him through all those things that we saw in chapter uh, 1 to 6. See, right off the bat, chapter 9 tells us that this happens, that this prayer that Daniel prays actually happened in the first year of King Darius. Now, if you uh, think back to uh, King Darius and, and where he's popped up in this chapter, we actually see that he pops up in chapter 6 just before Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. But that happens a little bit later in his reign. So this, is, this prayer happens before Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. Now he's thrown in the lion's den because he refused to pray to King Darius and to stop his praying to God. And we see here that Daniel was a man of prayer before that even happened. That this is something that he does often. But more than that, we see that Daniel's prayer is led or directed by the scriptures, by the word of God themselves. And we'll have a look at that in just a moment. But as Daniel prays, he does something very amazing. He builds up this grand picture of who God is. He paints us this picture of God's character. We see this in verse 4 and verse 7 as well as verse 9 and 14 and 15, actually throughout the whole prayer. We see that Daniel talks about the mercy and the righteousness and the holiness of God, about his greatness in these verses. But he, as he does this, he knows that this great God is a God who will, who will listen and does listen. And so he confesses his sins and the sins of the nation and he requests Restoration. He, he requests a returning from exile back to Jerusalem, back to the temple of God. And Daniel's prayer flows out of, this, the, of the character of God that he knows and has described so vividly in this, uh, in this prayer. 
But it's also worth pointing out that Daniel, as he spent time reading God's word, he also meditated on God's word. He reflected on the word of God and his life. Now, not only did he do that, but he also reflected on the world around him. And that's not something that we do all that often. Actually, in fact, let's be honest, we try to avoid those moments where we stop and think about the things that are going on in our lives or the, in the world around us because it scares us or it's sad or it, it, we, it, we just don't want to spend our time feeling the feelings that we, that we do when we think through those things and we meditate on those things. But Daniel was a man who thought deeply on the Word of God and on the world around him and about himself. In fact, I think one of the reasons why we probably don't stop all that often and think about ourselves and our relationship with those around us and those in our world and even our relationship with God is because we don't want to be confronted with what the Bible calls sin. And it's what Daniel calls it here. So we don't want to be confronted with the reality of sin. But Daniel goes into great depth to tell us what that is and what sin is like. See, Daniel here tells us that sin is falling short of God's perfection. It is doing wrong instead of doing the good things that God commands to do. It's, it's being in rebellion to God, rejecting His rule. It's turning away from Him and breaking His laws and His commands. Really, it's a failure to listen to God Himself, to listen to His Word. Now, when we... When we're accused of doing something wrong or even just, uh, I guess, just in general, we, we, we compare ourselves to other people, don't we? When, whenever I'm in trouble or I do something wrong, I have this little scenario that goes through my head where I think, well, it wasn't as bad as so-and-so or I'm not as bad as that person or these people or whatever it might be. We're very good at comparing ourselves to each other to try and lessen the guilt and the shame that we feel when we do something wrong. We, 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 com we compare ourselves to others so we avoid addressing the problem. And this is often how we approach our sin before God. We, it's very easy to downplay our sin and to deny the sinfulness of our own lives when we compare it with other people. But here Daniel is saying that we, the, we're not to compare ourselves to other people. Our, our holiness, our righteousness, our goodness is actually to be compared against God himself, against his purity, against his righteousness, against his goodness. And when we compare ourselves against God, well, then we know we feel well short. We cannot even compare to him. And as we do that, we actually get a grasp of the weight of our sin. See, God created you and me in the image of God. He created us in His image. And we resemble many things of Him. But the problem is that we rejected the one who made us. We rejected the, the one whom we bear image of. And therefore, we, we don't reflect Him as we should. It's like a, a mirror and my windows here at the moment, which you, you can't see, which is probably why we're facing this way, uh, are pretty dirty at the moment. You can see out them, but it's not a great kind of look at the moment. And as we, as we continue to reject God, we stop listening to him and his word, we, 
we, we start to, to, we don't reflect God in that way. We, we start to dirty the window, to dirty the mirror. And so Daniel really wants us, as we read this prayer, to grasp the weight of our sin. But also to know that God, who is righteous and perfect, also judges sin justly. That's what he says in verse 14. He says, The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster of exile on us. For the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. See, Daniel is not contradicting himself by saying how great and good and right God is and then God is the one who brings disaster, who brought them into exile, who punished them. He's not saying that at all. He's saying that when when a judgment comes from God, when his perfect love is confronted with our wickedness, with the wickedness of the world, God is perfectly right to judge and to punish. Just as a parent, when my kids do the wrong thing, it is my role, to, my job to discipline them in a way that will actually help them grow and understand. And so too it is with us and God. God is our Father in heaven. That's why we pray the Lord's Prayer in that way. Our Father in heaven. And it's because he is our Father that Daniel picks up something quite amazing here. See, we could think that because God is the one who judges us and because, of, because we've done wrong. I remember when I, was, uh, when I was in early high school and I tried to help out my, my mum by stacking the dishwasher and I had no idea what I was doing. It was the first time I'd ever done it and I put way too much uh, detergent or whatever it is in there. I, yeah, anyway, I closed it, I put it on and I went and watched The Simpsons and I came back and the kitchen was flooded. Like there were suds as high as the kitchen bench. It was insane. And my first reaction was, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. I'm going to run away. And that's what I did. I ran and hid in the park. Uh, it was kind of getting dark, so it was pretty easy to hide because I did not want to get in trouble. I did not want to confront my parents when I had to explain why I had flooded the kitchen. Now, for us, when we're confronted with our sin, we can have that feeling too, that we just want to run away from God. We don't want to come before God. We actually would rather run away. But Daniel tells us here that actually the only safe place to find refuge, the only safe place to run, the only place that we can find hope, the only place to run to is God himself. And we get that from verse 16 where he says, Lord, in keeping with your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Turn your wrath away from me and your people. See, Daniel knows that there is nothing that he can do to earn favor with God. It's only in God's love that he will show mercy because he has done it in the past. This is a plea to what God has done before. See, Daniel would know very well the law of Moses. He would know very well the story of Exodus where God led his people out of Egypt, where he saved them from slavery, the Egyptians. He knows that story well. He knows God is the only one who can save. He knows that it is only God in whom he can seek refuge. He knows that it is only God whom he can put his feet on firmly as a solid rock. Daniel looks back to the promises of God 
and prays accordingly. He prays knowing the track record of God in keeping his promises, in being that faithful God, the God who gives hope. And this hope drives David to his knees in prayer. And the reason why we are told this is because we find that right in the beginning of this chapter, that Daniel was reading God's word, as I said, and he was reading the prophet Jeremiah. And it was most likely he was reading chapter 29 from verse 10, where he would have heard these words which would have melted his heart and it's no wonder he dropped to his knees and turned his face to God when he heard these things. Remember, Daniel and the, the Israelites are in exile. They've been banished from their land. Their land, the temple, it has all been laid to waste. It is desolate. And he reads these words where the Lord says, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place, bring them back to Jerusalem. Now, as Daniel is reading this, it is almost at that point. It is almost the 70-year mark. In fact, Babylon, really, the empire of Babylon has just fallen because Darius is not a Babylonian. He's a Persian. He's a Mede. He's of a different race, a different nation. Here is the time where God will fulfill, and it drives Daniel to his knees. See, God says, he continues on, said, I have plans for you, plans to prosper you. Not to harm you, plans to give you hope for the future. He says that you will call on me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you. Is it any wonder that Daniel dropped to his knees in prayer when he read these words? I don't know about you whether, whether you've ever read the word of God and have been so so moved in the spirit by what you are reading that you could do nothing but pray. That is a, a moment when God's word has confronted us with our lives, with who he is, with the world around us, with, with our sin and his goodness. And we can do nothing but reach out to him in, pray, in prayer. See, with these promises in hand, we get to understand why Daniel prays as he does. And I think in this prayer, we find a really profound truth. And that is this. In the end, how we respond to our sin depends on what sort of God we believe in. I'm going to say that again, because if you're like me, sometimes you hear something, you go, oh, I should have listened to that. I want you to listen to this, because this is really important. At the end of the day, how we respond to our sin depends on what sort of God we believe in. And here's what I mean. We can downplay our sin and think that it's not that bad, or we're not as bad as other people. Actually, I'm a pretty good person. It doesn't matter too much. What we end up doing is we treat God like our next-door neighbor who shakes his head at us when we play loud music or have parties or just being a bit annoying. We really reduce God to just being someone who's just in the background, shaking the head, going, oh, will you ever learn? Oh, well doesn't matter. Now, equally, we can treat God like a drill sergeant where we are so scared of him that we don't go to him. We are so worried about being in trouble or getting in trouble that we will run the opposite way from him, knowing that we will never be good enough. And the only way that I can come to him is actually to get myself good first. Then I can come to him, but that never happens. 
Daniel is showing us in this prayer that the God of the Bible is not like either of those two things. In fact, he is much, much more. He is much greater than we could ever imagine. That the God of the Bible is the God who is righteous and holy. But he's also a God of love. A God who made a covenant of love with his people. And it is out of, out of his holiness, out of his righteousness, out of this covenantal love that he responds to his people in mercy and in grace. He responds to those who trust him in this way. Now this should totally blow our minds. This God who is perfect in justice and in love, who is full of righteousness and mercy and grace, he draws near to us and says, don't run from me, come to me. Pray to me and I will hear you. And that's what I want to finish on this morning is that we are told in verses 20 to 21, which we didn't read, we were told something totally amazing. And that is this, that while Daniel was speaking, while he was still praying and confessing his sins and the sins of God's people, we see that an angel, Gabriel, comes and interrupts his prayer. Now, I don't know if you've ever been interrupted in prayer. My kids have done that sometimes in the morning. I get frustrated. I don't know if Daniel did at this point or not. But we see that he is interrupted by an angel. God has sent him, has sent uh, Gabriel to him. Now, what is all this about? Well, this, I think, is God telling Daniel and telling us this morning that God hears our prayers immediately. Even if his answers are delayed, he hears us when we pray in that moment. And that's important for us to hear because I think sometimes we can pray thinking that God is not listening at the moment or that there's a delay between us and him. But that is not the case. In fact, God demonstrates that by sending this angel Gabriel to Daniel to interrupt him, to assure him that his prayers are heard. But, and we're not going to go into verses 23 and 27. I'm sorry if you're kind of hoping that we're going to ramp up to that. Uh, but we're not because I think these are, those verses are some of the most difficult passages in not just the book of Daniel, but probably in the whole Bible. And people argue about them the whole, like a lot of the time. And can I just say, it's no wonder that God sent Gabriel to help Daniel understand these things. And actually it gives me great encouragement to know that, that Daniel didn't even know these things. He actually needed an angel to help understand these things. And so we're not going to go through uh, these verses from 23 to 27. But I just want to say that I, I hope you are too, but I'm really comforted by the fact that the angel comes to tell Daniel, it helps him understand this because I've had a hard time as well trying to understand these. But I want you to notice in verse 23 though that, the Gabriel, uh, that Gabriel says to Daniel, he says that Daniel, you are a man who is greatly loved by God. Now, could you imagine that? Can you imagine an angel coming down mid-prayer, interrupting you and saying to you that you are loved by God? What an amazing thing. But I want you to hear this. God has not sent, God has not sent an angel to you and to me to tell us how much he loves us. He's actually done something far greater. He sent his son, Jesus, to show you and me how much God loves us. Not an angel, but his one and only son. 
He came and showed us how much he loved us by dying on the cross, by shedding his blood, by giving up his life to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin against God, for our failure to listen to him, to follow him, to trust him, to obey him. The, the punishment, the discipline that we deserve, Jesus takes for us. He came down to show us his, God's love for us in this way. And so when we pray and we finish our prayers by saying, in Jesus' name, I want you, to, when you pray that and say those words, to, rem, to remind yourselves that God sent his son to come down to, to earth to tell you and me that he loves us and he has saved us through his son, Jesus. This message of Daniel 9 today is about, uh, is about how we do not have any power whatsoever to free ourselves from the grip of sin. Only God can rescue us. And he does that through his son, Jesus. He has done it. So to deny our sin is to actually downplay or ignore what Jesus has done on the cross. Like Daniel, we must see our sin in light of the perfectness of God, his righteousness. And we are to, to come before him in humble confession and to fall on our knees and say that we fall short of his glory. And then like Daniel, we must put our trust in our perfect God, in our perfect Saviour Jesus. For in him, through mercy and grace, we have hope. Hope so that we won't be consumed by guilt and shame, but actually hope so that we would have joy. For we look to Jesus who died for us and has dealt with sin once and for all by his blood. And I want to encourage you as we spend time now reflecting on ourselves, doing something that we want to avoid. I want to encourage you to see who you are, to see your sin, but then to see that sin taken from you and placed onto Jesus. Because right now we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And we do that in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. That he took our, the punishment of our sin upon himself. That he, create, that he established a new covenant. That's the doorbell. It's not Jesus. Uh, but what I want us to do is I want us to reflect on our sin and reflect on how good our God is in Jesus, in what he has done for us. And we are going to share uh, juice and bread together as a way of reminding ourselves of the blood of Jesus and the bread to remind us of his flesh. And so if you've got that, I hope you've got that ready. As we do that, I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11, where it says this. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat 
this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. But he says something very sobering here. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So even the word of God calls us to examine ourselves, to see ourselves, to see the reality of who we are, to see the reality of our sin. And so I'm just going to pause for a moment and just give us a time to reflect. And then I'm going to, to pray a prayer where we come before God and say sorry. And then after I've prayed, we are going to share in uh, the Lord's Supper together. So let's just take a moment. Let me pray. Dear gracious God, our Heavenly Father, your name that is great. You are righteous and holy. You are merciful and full of grace and compassion. You are the God who loves us. Yet, Father, we have rejected you and your ways. We have not listened to your word. We've rejected your will for our lives and we've sinned against you and we've sinned against each other. Father, we come before you and say sorry. Sorry that we haven't loved you with all of who we are and that we have not loved one another as we should. Father, we know though in your great mercy through this great gift of grace, you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to take our sin so that we may be right before you. So as we, as we ask for forgiveness, we know that it has been won in Jesus and we are truly thankful. And we pray that we would not lose sight of what your son Jesus has done. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I encourage you to grab your, uh, your bread and your juice and to be ready. Because as we read in 1 Corinthians, when uh, Jesus uh, gave, said, he, This is my body, which is for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat this and remember our great Saviour, Jesus. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. So let's take and drink and remember our Saviour's blood shed for us. Our God is a good God, a God who loves us, who forgives us, who sent his son Jesus to die for us. So not only that we know that we are loved, but know that we've been saved, that we've been freed from sin and death, so that we may have hope for the life to come.
Thanks again for listening to the Soul Revival Church podcast. Uh, just a reminder, if you want to watch any of these services that we hold live, you can go to soulrevivalchurch.com and you can see all the gatherings up the top of the page. You can choose any one you wish. It can be on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. Thanks again and one way. Music is okay by Ixit. Thank you.